Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you once again for a, a Breaking Bad episode recap. We are into season four, episode one, the premiere episode, Box Cutter. This first aired on the 17th of July, 2011. It was written by Vince Gilligan, directed by Adam Bernstein, and uh, pretty. Memorable episode this one for one scene in particular, and I guess we're here to work out if there's much more to this episode than one scene or if this is a pretty good episode, and that's our job here to get to the bottom of that today. My name is Kenny Rogers, and they seem to be getting bigger. My name's Nick, and, um, well, I guess I better get this over with. (laughs) I was waiting for something more there, but I'm like, okay. Right, I get it. There we go. Okay. Awkward silence. That's a good way to start it. I thought you were about to admit something on air today or something along those lines or, or do that. But um, I didn't wear my Kenny Rogers T-shirt today, Nick. I, um, no, no. Well, you've got to keep the sticker on. Yeah, exactly. Have you ever done that with like a shirt that you've bought and you realise you've left the sticker on sometimes? Probably. Or there's a hidden sticker somewhere that yeah, you don't oh, yeah, feel on? Yeah. You know? that, that screams to me of like Kmart. Yeah, like or I yeah. guess Walmart for American listeners, like that is that is a very Walmart Kmart thing, right? What's um what's your version called? Why have I gone blank on it? Um, the warehouse. Oh, the warehouse. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I went completely blank on New Zealand Walmart. Um, and can I just say warehouse? Like cheap stuff at Kmart lasts. We I remember buying cutlery and plates from the warehouse. It lasted like a month, and then it was like you throw it out. Like. Yeah. Sorry, New Zealand. But anyway, uh, we're not here to discuss chains of New Zealand and America and Australia. We're here to discuss Box Cutter, Breaking Bad, Season 4, Episode 1. Um, we're into the meaty seasons now, Nick, and uh, this is quite meaty, this episode. Again, one particular scene in general. Uh, they happen to name the episode after it, essentially. Um yeah, I think this is memorable, really, for one moment in this episode. But there's some other good stuff in this episode, too. I do love how, like, you know, like I remember in seasons one and two, we were like, this is why this episode title is this. And, and it's like, <laughs> this one's Box Cutter. It's pretty obvious exactly why it's called Box Cutter when you get to the end of it. Well, not even the end of it, you know, like it is just so obvious why it's called that. Um, so, yeah, sometimes it's good to just have an obvious um, episode title but yeah it's a great way to get season four up and running I think and, and um, yeah I, I there's so much to love about this episode I think you know you kind of get the the kind of flashback at the start but then we also get the resolution to the cliffhanger from last episode kind of straight away here as well um, you know really tense first episode to start and um, yeah a very very memorable scene to end the episode so yeah it's kind of just ticks all the boxes really in terms of a great Breaking Bad episode 
I do, yeah, I'm with you with kind of like an obvious episode title. Sometimes you just need it. I mean, IFT, no, shit episode title, shouldn't be called that. But I kind of just like this one just being called Box Cutter. And can I just say, the finale of this season, Face Off. It's pretty good. Like, uh, (laughs) great movie too, by the way. Listen to our recap from a couple of years ago here on the Oz Network. But, um, yeah, uh, I think you're right. Sort of um, really concludes it pretty pretty quickly um, in terms of the cliffhanger. Doesn't want to drag it out too much. And I think this episode relies heavily on just tension and silence and it kind of just it just works it makes it's one of those real good episodes of breaking bad which you just kind of glued to the scene even though there's sort of long pauses and no sound and everything along those lines it's really well uh put together um straight away though we the resolution doesn't come immediately because we've got a flashback uh we've got gail unpacking the lab equipment having a conversation with gus we've got victor here in the lab as well and uh, basically we see here that, and I don't know if we've ever really had this alluded to, that Gus uh, had hired Gail as kind of his cook uh, before, obviously, he hired Walt. So uh, that was kind of interesting. And Gail essentially here is saying that he can produce 96%, that he's very proud of that figure. But this sample that he's got, which is obviously uh, the, the crystal blue, this is Walt's myth, uh, 99%. And he kind of goes on to explain how it doesn't sound like much of a discrepancy, but it is. Um, and saying that if this is their rivals, they've got their work cut out for them, essentially. And basically, Gail says to Gus, like, if this is your rival, you, you know, you should hire him, essentially. <laughs> like, uh, you know, you've you've bought the best of the best equipment here, so why not have the best cook? So kind of like this little scene here, which... Almost in a way, you could say Gale is kind of getting himself killed, isn't he? Like, if he yeah. doesn't sort of sell this, he's probably alive. But um, yeah. one thing I really love about kind of this whole sequence is just little giddy Gale when um, he's kind of like unpacking the the shipping crate and he kind of does that noise like when he kind of sees it and he's talking about it being like Christmas morning and everything along mm. those lines. So I think this is also technically Gale's last scene. I think we see him in a video uh obviously and we kind of get his body on the ground but um yeah i'm pretty sure this is the last scene we get of david costabala's uh gail but i like this flashback well and we get the um we, we get his writing as well obviously um later on uh, yes um but yeah we'll get to that um but yeah and I, I love that this whole scene opens with him using a box cutter to kind of cut you know into the boxes mm, mm-hmm. i think was is cool so you kind of get that straight away as well which is really really cool but yeah no i really like it i i, I agree with that kind of giddiness of him and how um you know like we talked a little bit about like that music he was listening to at the end of the last episode was so eccentric and he's such a weird guy but you know you can't help but like this guy you know like he is a he has a, a fun kind of presence um, and he's kind of just not who you associate with being like a drug debt or a drug maker, you know, like it's not really what you kind of um, associate that kind of behavior with really, is it? And so I think he's just, he's a fun presence here. And yeah, look, I'm always a sucker for a good flashback and I think this is a good one. Kind of sets it up and as you rightly say, he's kind of like, he's sealing his own fate here, not that he's to know that at this point. Um, it's one of those things where I think kind of like we're going to get a scene later on in this episode about, you know, it's called a cook for a reason, you just follow the instructions. And this whole idea that, you know, like Gail obviously knows his shit, but even he can't do something as good as Walt like I think it's just a good little reminder that Walt is like a genius at the stuff and we kind of take it for granted but you know he is absolutely phenomenal at what he does you know and it's nice to kind of just have that pointed out I think Gail is Scotty Pippen and Walt is Michael Jordan (laughs) just to help 
people who I don't know like the Chicago Bulls. Um, but <laughs> we then get the resolution to the cliffhanger. We see uh, sort of the other side of the, the what we saw with the gun, the shot at the end of the last season. Jesse basically looking, crying, walks out. Um, we then sort of get these cool shots of the apartment. The bullet's gone through the, the teapot on the stove. We've got nosy neighbor Neil. I don't know if that's actually his name, but let's call him that. He's on the phone to 911, you know, telling him to come along. Victor rushes in, has a look, leaves. Um, and Jesse just stayed in his car. Now, is this meant to be like a deliberate thing? Like he's deliberately getting himself captured? Is he just in shock? Like, I, I, I don't know. Like it kind of surprises me that I guess he doesn't try and run away or I don't know. Is that meant to be a thing that he's just meant to be getting caught deliberately? I mean, I think it's left ambiguous really. Like um, I think you could read it that way. You could read that he's just in such a state of shock that, you know, he's not able to really process what to do next or that he even knows where to go next because obviously he's been called by you know by walt to tell him to go and do this and it's like okay so where does he go next so what's the what's the next logical thing to do so it might just be he literally doesn't know what to do and i i don't think there's a clear answer to that and i guess he has just killed someone so you know this is i mean we, we yeah yeah. I guess it's a pretty important moment. We should really be emphasising that this is the first person that Jesse's killed. Um, you know, obviously we talked a lot about that with Walt back in season one. So uh, now Jesse has killed someone, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think, um, look, I alluded to something when we talked in the last episode, um, a, a full measure about that. This wasn't actually really intended to be um, a, a cliffhanger from what I can gather from some of the stuff I've read is that it was it was always designed that it would be clear that that Gail was dead like that you know Jesse had shot him and the, the way they kind of staged that last scene that was kind of like then like the audience started to go well did he actually shoot him or did he kind of pull to the side and shoot past him and um, I don't think they actually intended for that to happen I think they actually kind of meant for it to be pretty clear that Jesse had shot him but they kind of they kind of left it ambiguous in a way so I don't know what the truth of that is I you know I think it's kind of it's hard to think that if they'd wanted to kind of show what Jesse had done, they wouldn't have just shown it, you know. Um, mm. But, yeah, it, it is interesting to me that potentially it wasn't meant to be quite the cliffhanger that it was. But I do like that we come straight back here and, and you know, we kind of get this scene. And, uh, like, there's just something that's quite kind of, like, gruesome about, like, the, the Gale death and that, like, he's been shot through the eye. And, like, there isn't, like, a lot of kind of physical damage to his body, you know. Like, it's just this kind of, like, red eye, basically, where he's been shot through the eye. And, and other than that, he, he kind of physically doesn't look, you know, he's obviously blood on the ground and stuff. But I think that that's quite effective as well, that it doesn't look like an absolute kind of carnage scene, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, and I think, obviously, um, you know, the fact that Victor's kind of come up here and he's in the room and, you know, I think that's, that's going to be important later on I think when we discuss how this episode ends so yeah I think there's some really important stuff happening in the scene yeah I agree and I kind of think it's also I guess almost the realism of it they kind of just are focusing on just the things around his apartment like they don't just go for the here's the gore of somebody getting shot in the head and kind of as you said it's a bit basic but like let's just show a pot dripping I think you see like a potato clock yeah um and just kind of he's just apartment like because I mean, I guess this is just a, an apartment that a man lived in, and then all of a sudden he's just his life's ended at the you know click of a bullet. That's not how you say it, Ben. But whatever, like you know what I'm talking about. Um, so yeah. the click of a bullet. Um, 
But yeah, no, I kind of it's it's very effective. But I, I, I like I mentioned before at the top, kind of the the silence and and those sort of moments in these episodes. I, I just kind of like these moments. Like I like it when you've got Walter Mike just kind of sitting there staring at each other, waiting, and then Victor sort of comes back with Jesse. Like I just want to imagine that these two are just sitting there staring at each other for like an hour, <laughs> just awkwardly, you know, sitting there like oh. Watched game last night. Like I, I think know. it's also really interesting just to kind of. I think, um, you know, while Walt may be kind of afraid, physically afraid of Mike, he doesn't have that same level of fear and respect that he clearly does for Gus. You know, mm. because when Gus shows up later on, Walt has a very, very different reaction. You know, like there's actual fear and panic in him, which it doesn't appear that he really has with Mike. I think he's just he's not afraid of Mike in the same way. Yeah, exactly, and it's kind of. I mean, we're going to see something around that maybe next episode a little bit um, and sort of how he maybe should be a bit. But it's, I don't know, like, do you just kind of think that Walt sees Mike as a bit of a lackey? That, like, okay, he's good at yeah. what he does, but it's kind of at the same time, like, he's got his measure, like, he's smart because, you know, Mike's a bit of just a, a blue-collar kind of, you know, rough-and-tumble guy and Walt sees himself a bit above him, essentially, because yeah. he's yeah. smarter. You know? Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I just don't think he has the respect for Mike that he clearly does for Gus. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so Victor comes back with Jesse, kind of just shoves him on the chair. Victor, v- v- this is Victor's best episode. <laughs> I mean, not just for one. You know, it's, it's the most he gets to do in any single episode, of course. But um, I, I kind of just, I, I like sort of a lot of, we've got Jeremiah uh, Bitsui, of course, is his name. And uh, just to date this episode, I think we alluded to it before, we're sort of in discussions with his management to get him on the show. By the time this airs, we've probably already aired that interview. So it probably makes no sense that here we are going like, oh, why aren't you talking about the fact that you've interviewed him? Well, time of recording this, we haven't interviewed him. So that's uh, why if it has happened or maybe it hasn't. Or maybe we will just wait until airing it till after this episode. Who knows? But um. Victor's obviously angry and kind of frustrated, so he slams all the, the equipment off the table. Um, Mike questions him about what happens, and, uh, yeah, kind of as you alluded to, with the way Victor goes into the apartment, Mike sort of questions him and sort of like, did they see you? Uh, and Victor's like, yeah, so what? Um, you know, they're just, what, like nosy neighbours. They're not going to notice anything. Uh, and then I love Mike, how he's kind of like, well, I better get this over and done with, and picks up the phone and obviously he's calling Gus and... Uh, yeah, so uh, that's going to allude to some things are going to happen this episode. Um, meanwhile, we've got Marie. First time I've had Marie in a couple of episodes. There she is, wearing purple, of course. Um, she rocks up to the, the White House. I, I, I know you don't like saying it, Nick, but I'm going to say it. Um, and Skylar comes to the right. I do love Marie here. I woke you up. I woke you up. Like her kind of reaction. She's here to drop some bills off. They're getting bigger. Uh, not smaller, and then she kind of questions like, hey, Walt's car's in the driveway, you know, good to see you two getting back together. So Skylar basically sees a car, moves it down the street so that uh, Walt Jr. won't see it when he wakes up. Now, this is this is definitely one of those scenes where, as I said, like there's a lot of kind of like elongated silences in this episode. And I mean, like, if you edited this tightly and removed kind of these scenes this episode might go for like 20 minutes um but i'm not complaining like it's it's weirdly effective it's what like a five minute scene of her getting a car drive it's almost real time isn't it like she's just literally in the car listening to albuquerque radio like oh 330 days of sunshine a year what a great place to live you know parks it down the street walks back inside has a bit of a conversation with junior and then boom like uh i don't know how you feel about it but i just i kind of like it it's effective 
Yeah, it is. And I look, it, it actually never really occurred to me that people might find that boring because I think it's kind of, I think, you know, the things that make the show really effective is that you're not always just worried about the crime story. You are really invested in this kind of family dynamic as well. Um, and, you know, and I think that's why these things, you know, all these, these you know, feels like thousands, hundreds of breakfast scenes. And, and <laughs> I, I, ne- I never really get sick of them, you know. So for me, it's not something that really bothers me. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it just, it, it never really occurred to me to be too bothered by it. I think we're just kind of, you know, I think we're just, it, it's episode one. And obviously, you know, the, the major part of this episode is kind of cleaning up the actions of, of you know, episode 13 of last season. Um, but there is also some time to start laying the groundwork of what we're going to, you know, go through in the first half of this next season. And, you know, I think the kind of um, the Hank storyline and, and Hank struggling with what's going on and, and, you know, like shutting out Marie and things like that is going to be a big part of the first half of the season. And so I think kind of, you know, setting up that tension, setting up the fact that, you know, the bills are still coming and I think is really, really important. So I, I don't have any problem spending time on that particular storyline. Yeah. And like kind of jumping a little bit ahead to the, the Hank and, and Marie stuff, like, I think in any other show, it's tedious. It's kind of like, oh, like, why do we need this? Like, it's kind of, it feels a bit out of place, but it works in this show. Like, I mean, I've kind of obviously watched this a few times now uh, in the last couple of weeks. And, you know, I think maybe when I first watched this, I was like, oh, like, cool. He's collecting minerals and like, he's angry at Marie, like whoop de doo But like, I kind of weirdly like it. And like, what we're going to get in the coming weeks with, Marie maybe reverting back into old habits like it's kind of it's kind of almost interesting what she's doing like I don't know like I know I'm jumping well ahead there to sort of get your opinion on that but um I mean it brings us into one of the most randomest um hobbies of any character I think in any television show I've watched so um <laughs> I mean that's got to be something right like if you if you were to picture if you said like at season one Hank is going to be collecting something in season four you're going to be thinking like I don't know army men like uh you know evidence that's all yeah. i would have thought it was collecting evidence weapons um, evidence yeah. you know I, I don't know um civil war memorabilia like you kind of think of stuff like that not what we're going to get to very shortly i actually i i actually have to say like i then i know we're getting a little bit ahead but actually i think a lot of people well, no, I don't know. I think there's probably a fair amount of viewers who probably get a bit frustrated with the Marie storyline that we're going to get in the next few episodes. Um, I actually really like it. and mm, um, Me too. And, and I think it's kind of – because it feels real. Like it feels like somebody in this situation would do some of these things, you know, um, and that's what I really like about it. And, you know, like I think that it kind of, you know, it kind of causes her to maybe relapse into some behaviours that she's trying to control it feels very real. I think we've all been in situations like that where we're trying to break a bad habit, whatever it might be. And then a stress happens in our life and we revert back to those bad habits. You know, that, that, that's a very human kind of behavior. So I, I, I really like it. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting how we come full circle, how we were kind of maybe complaining a bit about that in season yeah, one, but yeah. we're going to come to that very soon. Um, Back at the lab, Walt's basically like, hey, it's like nine o'clock. We've got to cook. And they're all like, no. Um, and then sort of Walt standing up saying like, well, you know, we're the only ones who can do this. This is still running a business. And Victor basically gets frustrated and he's going to start cooking. Um, so, you know, he's seen them do it enough and uh, pretty sure that uh, he's going to be able to, to do this. So that's uh, going to come into play uh, a little bit more in this episode. Uh, at Saul's office, 
Uh, now, this is our first meeting, isn't it? Of um, Now, what's his name? Huel. Huel. Thank you, Huel. And we love Huel, right? Huel's yeah, oh, hell yeah, hell yeah. Best side character. Now, is this guy in real life, isn't he like a comedian, like a pretty yeah, famous so. comedian? Yeah, um, I, think he's a, I think he's a stand-up comic, yeah. Because I think this is a thing that we've talked about a bit, isn't it, in Breaking Bad, that they always get comedians kind of to play these mm. roles. But um, we've got Huel for the first time. Lavelle Crawford is his name, the actor. But um, he's basically, you hear these knock, knock, knock on Saul's door and he's just like, we're closed! Um, and it's kind of, I love the stare down between Huel and the receptionist lady. Because we don't we find out later on that Huel sleeps with his eyes open? <laughs> uh, isn't that a thing? I, I've seen that. I, I remember going to school camp once and we were up in the middle of the night playing pranks as you do and there was this one guy like we were bunking with and like we thought he was awake but he was like fast asleep and he slept with his eyes open. It was fucking freaky. So scary. But um, Skylar is calling Sol and the receptionist is trying to get through but we've got Sol basically going through his entire office searching for bugs. <laughs> I'm sorry. I do. I just. I. I love a paranoid soul scene. Um. I also do love the fact that uh, I. Lo- I just love the look of Saul. Like you always gone about his suit, but I just love kind of like this fringe thing that Bob Odenkirk has. That kind of like when he's moving around, it's just like flopping on his face, and just he's got like this teal shirt with an orange tie. Uh, like the fashion of soul. Like it's it's quite funny because like um it, you know like I know that we we seem to talk about friends a lot on the show, but um like one of the <laughs> hang other on, hang on I, Nick, hang on, ticking off the references episode. There it is. Well, well, one of the other shows that I kind of watch a lot in the background of if I'm just doing something at home would be The Simpsons. And um like the more I watch this, the more Saul is just like Lionel Hutz come to life. You know, like he is just <laughs> he's the he's the the human embodiment of Lionel Hutz, this kind of dodgy lawyer. Um, but no, I, I absolutely love it i think it's really really good i i just love the look of these guys like even just like um the guy who plays Hill, like just the shape of his head he's got the most un- unusually shaped head um and like it just like they just like um just this hodgepodge of just weird characters like um that just work perfectly you know they're just like these kind of bizarre creatures you know all kind kind of come together in the show and it just it works so amazingly well yeah, no, <laughs> it's weird shaped head. Um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna look at it the same way every time now I see Hugh. But um, <laughs> so Skylar's trying to find out where Walt is, and I, I love, I love Saul on the phone. Just you know, he's got like the like a a, a hanky or something yeah. on the phone. Oh no, it's his, is it his shirt or is something? He's holding something. Yeah, I think um, it's like just like a silk handkerchief or something. Yeah. yeah, just like I mean, I probably would be doing that too, holding uh, the phone there and. Uh, Basically, he's saying that you know Walt's fine. Uh, you know, there's there's nothing there's nothing to worry about. Um, and you know, I like it when he hangs up the phone. And what does he say to Hugh? Like, you've got a passport, right, or something like that. <laughs> like, oh, I love him. This guy should get a spin-off, Nick. Uh, he's really good. Um, yeah, yeah. Skylar, Skylar goes uh, searching for Walt. Goes to the apartment. Basically, um, lies to a locksmith. Gets locked, let in. I want to know what happens to this locksmith. Does he lose his job for uh, breaking the law? I have, to, um, I have to say, this is this is the one scene I don't really love in this episode. That really, um, yeah. I mean, I I, I, I kind of struggle with the uh, the Skylar becoming this kind of great 
actress that or you know this liar in her own right i think for whatever reason it just doesn't quite click with me like i think and it has worked in the past like i think like don't get me wrong i think you know when we had our kind of season recap of season three i think we talked about her scene where she lies about the you know the walt gambling and we're going to get more of that this time around i think uh, this obviously reminds me of that scene that we get where she gets kind of not arrested but she gets held by the the jewelry store guy and and season two i think that was um and or season one i can't remember exactly and she kind of gets hysterical and um and it's fine i you know like it doesn't bother me hugely but i think it's probably just uh, it's a little bit drawn out i think in this episode um yeah i I think we probably could have got this in a in a a more streamlined way um but i'm picking nuts it's a great episode um you're not going to get much of a complaint from me it's just it just feels a little bit like a slow way to kind of get this get her into the into the um the apartment interesting i see i i yeah i don't see it that way i i like it i kind of like investigative skylar and i kind of almost like in uh, bit manipulative oh, I, li- I, like skylar, that. Like. I, I like that i just i don't really love the kind of the the kind of crying i don't know to me i just think like how how idiotic is this guy that he would just you know like do that but yeah anyway <laughs> I see what you mean, though, like the comparison to like the the bit where she's, you know, in the shop and like, I'm pregnant. No, I'm, you know, like I can't see. But like maybe that's just how like, you know, she can get away with things like because people fall for it. Like, yeah, I I don't know. But yeah, I just I just feel this guy's going to get fired no matter what. But um, I do kind of like Skylar in the apartment, you know, digging around and then she finds the eyeball as well. So. Uh, that's the sort of the first time that we've had that in a while. And then we kind of get our first real taste now of, I guess, Marie and Hank, I guess, kind of being at each other's throats a little more. So Hank, obviously, sort of the way he's treating Marie, which I guess this is just because we haven't seen him at home since the hand job, have we? Like, this is the first oh, well, time. Yeah, well, the hand job, the hand job was in the hospital as well, wasn't it? So yeah, um, yeah so this is the first time we've seen them since that, yeah, right? Yeah, I believe so, so. Yeah, it makes sense. Like it makes sense if you kind of put that into to context. But um, I do like these flowers that she brings home because is the painting on the wall the same as these flowers that she yeah. puts on it? Like it looks exactly the same. But we get our first taste of Hank and the rocks. Sorry, minerals. Yeah. minerals which is a bit of a joke kind of I, I think i used to refer to them as crystals jesus uh dean norris gets on the show he's going to go off at me but i mean it's just so random that hank's kind of like minerals why not uh, like is this a thing that dean norris likes is this a vince gilligan quirk like do, do you know if this has ever been explained where the the need to have hank into minerals comes from yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if um, if that's ever something that they've gone into, um, you know, in, in in great detail. Like, you know, it just it, it feels like a good kind of um, narrative device without a, without a really good reason for it. Um, it, it. Yeah, it's kind of like I'm just like doing like a quick kind of Reddit search of like, is there a deeper meaning to Hank's minerals? You know, like is there you know is there anything in there? And um, I think they're what they say is like crystal blue mineral crystals. You know like um but i i don't think there really is i think it is just literally you know like i think it's just the thing that they chose it could have been anything um but it it does it does work as well as any you know like collecting anything obsessively um yeah i i think it's good do you do you have anything nick like do you have a secret like collecting thing or oh god where do you where would you like to start like for me it's like (laughs) <laughs> my weird, my weird. Well, my latest one is is hot sauces. Like I've gotten into like really hot, you know, like 
um, spicy sauces. And so it's like, where can I find the the hottest, spiciest sauce in New Zealand? Um, and, and where have you? Where, where's the hottest sauce in New Zealand? Oh, there's one. I can't remember the name of it, but um, yeah, there's definitely one, which I got a bottle for my birthday, which is pretty hot. Um, but yeah, like I, I, I got a little bit obsessed about, about you know, these people that grow the world's hottest chili peppers. So it's quite an interesting story, really. Um, so yeah, I'm, I, I definitely feel Hank here because I'm the, the same type of thing. I'd kind of get into it, find all the websites all the different things about it so yeah i i can i can relate to this it's uh you got to find something to collect and his thing is minerals i guess I, I had a friend in canada who did that with hot sauces that was kind of a thing that she would um yeah get into those i i, I don't like spicy stuff so it wouldn't right. do me any favor to kind of do that but uh, yeah i, I like it I, I like this quirk of just minerals yeah. it's just random yeah I, I think um what's what's really great about this is that i think um they've really captured a, a look like, you know, you just look at Hank and you just kind mm. of see this kind of pathetic character that he's kind of become, you know, like he's kind of, he obviously hasn't had a shave in about a week or whatever it is. And, um, you know, and he's grumpy and he can't get out of his bed and, you know, like it kind of, the, the scene kind of ends with this like pathetic thing where Marie has to, you know, get the bedpan and he, you know, she kind of walks away as he's, you know, using the bedpan. It's a pretty, pretty kind of like just shows where Hank is at the moment in the story. And I think it's really effective kind of the way that they show this is the kind of downfall of Hank at the moment. He's in a really bad place. And, you know, like I, I think I'm going to have some justifiable problems with the way Hank treats Marie in the next few episodes, but you can certainly see that there's a reason why he, is acting the way he is, even if you don't agree with her. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think, I mean, both uh, Dean Norris and Betsy Brandt handle it so well. Like, it's kind of, it's very realistic and kind of, yeah, it is kind of almost that side of this that you often don't see when it comes to, you know, generally when you see these shows and they're focusing on, like, physical therapy and that it's always about them, like, walking and, like, oh, you're going to do it. And, you know, oh, little Johnny's going to get back on the soccer team and going to win the gold medal by the end of the series. Whereas now it's just, yeah, like, what does he say? Like, oh, number uno, duh. And he's like, duh, or whatever. He's like, you know, do the poo, essentially. <laughs> and it's just kind of like him hanging on the thing and doing that. So, you know, I, I agree. Kind of just even like the disheveled bed. It's kind of like he's got his little tray and it's just it's a mess and yeah, all that kind of stuff. Um, So back at the lab, we've got Victor doing a cook and um, Walt is uh, sort of talking to Jesse about, oh, he's going to forget the al- the aluminum, as they say in the US, of course. Mm-hmm. So I guarantee he's going to forget the aluminum. And then he ultimately he doesn't. Um, and uh, working through it, then um, all of a sudden, Gus comes in looking pretty, pretty shitty. What's he going to do? Is he going to yell? Is he going to scream? What's he going to do? Like, don't look at him. Look at me. Like, he's looking pretty, pretty furious. We see... Uh, Victor cooking. Victor kind of gives him a bit of a, a smile and a bit of a nod, like it's a bit of a like, yeah, I'm cooking. These bitches are, are down. Walt's essentially just pleading for himself here, saying that he did what he did. And this whole time, Gus just doesn't say a thing, like not a damn thing. It's just, it's scary. And he just casually starts taking his clothes off because why not? Casually starts putting on a... Uh, like a hazmat style suit, very Gus like, folds everything properly, you know, puts everything down and all that kind of stuff. Then we see him searching for something and he pulls out a box cutter. He kind of walks around Jesse and Walt, kind of just scarily over the top of them. Who's he going to stab? 
essentially waltz, you know, you don't have to do this. I, I do kind of like when um, then Walt and Victor's kind of having a bit of a fight too here and Walt's kind of questioning him all the science. He, Walt even gets to stand up at one point and Mike kind of just shoves him back down on the chair. And then out of freaking nowhere, Gus slashes Victor's throat. <laughs> just like, holy fuck. I remember watching this for the first time, just like losing my mind, like holy fucking crap. And like so many little things that are so amazing about this, like, I've never really noticed before, but Mike gets his gun pointed at Gus. Like, he's kind of shocked as in, like, holy crap, like, what the fuck have you just done? He's literally pointing his gun at Gus. Victor's obviously struggling and, you know, his throat is just very, very graphic here. Kind of blood spurting everywhere. And then ultimately Gus just leaves him on the ground, bleeds to death. The blood's essentially dripping at the feet of Jesse and Walt. Throws the box cutter on the floor. Goes back, does the opposite, gets dressed again, cleans up. And then leaves and, uh, what does he say? Like, get back to work, essentially. Like, holy fuck. Like, right now, top five of this season. Like, come on, this is a lock. Has to be. This is just such an iconic scene. Um, And one of three Gus ones this season, which I would probably say right now are firm locks to being in the top five. But, um, wow. I mean, do you remember watching this for the first time? Yeah, yeah. I've got to say, I'm really annoyed at the producers of the show that they're forcing us to have a top five season on the first episode because we'll yeah. probably forget about it because, you know, we're stupid. Oh, we're not going to um, forget about this, Nick. Come on, but, I won't. I no, you know. but um, yeah, I mean, it, it is really good. I mean, I think probably what makes us so effective is that, you know, Gus doesn't say anything until after he's he's um, killed Victor. And, um, you know, I think that that's really effective. I think just how slowly and methodically he kind of does everything. I think he, he almost walks in slow motion. So just again, like I talked you know, in the last episode about things that I like and in Breaking Bad and in a good episode and it's that tension building. And this is just like, you know, four or five minutes of just, you know, excruciating tension of like, what is Gus going to do? Um, and it is just like so effective kind of just watching him slowly you think you know what's going to happen or you, you think you you think either you know walter or jesse's gonna gonna buy it here right like you just the last thing you expect is for it to be to be victor that kind of gets it um and I, like there's just like when you watch it in retrospect kind of knowing this i think kind of like you know victor you know when when gus comes in victor gives him this big smile and then you can see like as 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 gus is kind of wandering around victor's got the smirk on his face like he obviously doesn't expect it that it's coming and i think this is one of those scenes that kind of like you do kind of forget just how effective it is when you do a rewatch you know like this is one of those ones that you know you only get to experience it for the first time once and it, you know it's amazing and yeah i do remember watching this and just thinking wow this is this is just so crazy you know it's just it's so incredible and i think just even things like you know the way he kind of like tilts you know victor's head back so that all mm. the, the blood kind of gushes onto walt and you know like even just like the look on mike's face of like what the fuck is this guy doing you know like yeah. it is just it kind of catches everybody off guard um i just i love everything about it i love the kind of lime green box cutter against the kind of red floor on the red blood and you know just like everything about this just is is so effective and there's just some some great camera angles here and you know like i like when gus first comes in and you kind of see him from underneath the kind of the the um balcony kind of walking down and yeah it is just like this incredibly effective tension building scene that kind of has this amazing unexpected capper on it it is it's, it's i think it's as close as we've gotten so far on the show to one of those kind of 
absolutely crazy you didn't expect to see it coming game of thrones style moments you know i think we've had some other obviously some great moments but this one just feels like it comes completely out of nowhere and it's just it's so great yeah and i mean we talked about that like with the atm crushing you know things like that they kind of like really like blow your mind into like holy fuck like what the hell just happened and i mean there's there's one in this season, which to me was like, a, I rewound it like so many times to just realize what the fuck just happened. And just, it's, it's, it's epic. Um, but yeah, this one is just, yeah. Like you just do not expect it at all. Um, and just like, God, I've said it a few times about Gus, but if you thought he wasn't a badass, like I, I feel like I'm going to spend a lot of this season kind of almost defending Gus for, for kind of being like, Hey, well, is he really that bad? Like, you know, he's, he's got a business to run, but like, it's moments like this that he is a pretty evil prick. Um, like just basically killing this guy directly in front of this to kind of make his point. Um, and Giancarlo Esposito is just amazing. I mean, God, like this guy just to, to be able to do this and not say a word. I, I was reading um, that he kind of, I think, spent like hours on set just not saying anything to anyone to really get himself in the zone for this. Kind of, I think he was very uncomfortable doing this scene. Um, so, but he kind of, you know, challenged himself to do it. And then I, I also think I read that Brian Cranston's daughter like passed out or something like that watching this episode for the first time because of the amount of blood that was kind of going everywhere. So, if you don't like blood, you're not going to like this episode. But um, yeah, I, I think too, like, um, I think probably, you know, the Game of Thrones reference, I think it kind of just, you know, there's a lot of throat cutting on Game of Thrones. Um, if, you know, for people that haven't seen it, like this is a pretty common cause of death on the show. And um, I think sometimes you kind of get the similar thing that we get here, which is you get the extended death of a character as they kind of slowly lose blood. And well, not slowly, they very quickly lose blood. But then, you know, like the kind of gasping and all that kind of stuff. Like, I think it's like, it's a really kind of effective way to kind of show somebody die that kind of just grabs you and makes you go, holy shit. And I think it's just, it's so well delivered here like you just see this guy kind of you just see the life drain out of him it's just it's horrible to watch um but you can't turn away from it it kind of just it absolutely kind of grabs you in and like it's just like a morbid kind of watching a car crash type of moment it just it really really is just and you know this whole time yeah like you know gus hasn't said a single thing yet you know we've heard kind of you know walt has rabbited on the whole time like trying to you know because he thinks he can reason his way out of anything and like gus is just not that's not what he's doing here and you know just like that effect of the look like he is looking at walt the whole time that you know he's kind of holding onto victor as victor dies it's yeah it's just just so so good you know, one line that is a random movie to remember a line from, uh, if you remember the movie Anaconda, um, and uh, the John Voight character in that movie turns out to be evil from memory. And I think he's like, Jennifer Lopez is in that movie, and I think he's saying something to like Jennifer Lopez's character, like, never look into the eyes of a person as you kill them, their soul will haunt you forever, or something along those lines. Like, And that kind of just always stuck with me, like, if I ever kill someone, don't stare at them while I murder them. <laughs> so, um, don't know if Gus gets that message really there, but... Um, I love kind of like the, the the scene that it cuts to afterwards where you kind of just get this blood going across the floor to like the drain and then we've got the cleanup because of course of course Gus is going to be a prick and just leave them to clean the body up like get back to work essentially uh, and we're back to the hydrochloric acid in the barrel um, Mike you know you sure this is going to work and Jesse's like yep trust us <laughs> um, you know they're kind of old hat at this right now and 
wipe all the barrel down and put the corrosive sticker on it and it's on the back of a laundry truck essentially um and then i just love this cut they do when you've got the uh the mop with the blood on the floor mm. and then kind of it cuts to this guy eating uh, a chip <laughs> Uh, in ketchup uh, yeah. they're at Denny's basically um, and I read in the trivia notes that this is a clear nod to Pulp Fiction after uh, Samuel L. Jackson and uh, uh, John Travolta with the the clothes and it's been a long time since I've done Pulp Fiction but great movie obviously um, but like I think we mentioned a little bit last episode or one of the last two episodes about Jesse this season and I kind of love this transition of Jesse like you kind of think Jesse's going to be on edge, like he's Jesse, you know, like uh, he kind of going to lose it and kind of be an emotional wreck. And I, I guess he kind of is. He's just hiding it a little bit more, but he's almost kind of just putting on this front that he's completely fine with it, you know. Um, like here's a weird connection to our lost listeners. It kind of reminds me of um, of of Charlie when he kills is it Ethan, I think, in, in season two, basically, and kind of everyone's, I think Jack's checking in on Charlie and like, you know, you've killed someone, are you okay? And Charlie's just like, eh, don't give a shit. Um, so essentially this is what Jesse is. They're sitting in Denny's wearing their Kenny Rogers shirts, um, eating breakfast, and um, Walt's just checking in on Jesse, basically like, how you doing? Um, and, yeah, Jesse's basically like, I'm fine. Like, you know, this is send a message, right? What is it like if you if you don't kill us or something like that, then you better think twice or something along those lines. I just, I just, Aaron Paul just, just does, this, does this in such a way that like, because it's not even like you've seen him sitting in the super lab and he's kind of got a grin on his face and he's fine or he's just on his phone and he's just happy. Like, this is the first real time you kind of see his actual reaction and he's, he's, he's cool. He's fine. He's asking the waitress for another Fanta. Basically, like he's he's all good. He's chowing down on his food, and kind of Walt's got this look on his face of like like everything okay here, yeah. champ. Like it's just I don't know. I love this scene. Like I wouldn't dare nominate this for a top five because we're gonna. I think I'm saying right now I can think of four scenes this season already that are locks for top five. Um, so like this in no way in hell would make it. But um, I don't know. I love it. And I think Aaron Paul is amazing in this scene. Just I love this scene. Yeah, it, it is. It is kind of like disarmingly. Like you, it's not what you expect, right? Like mm. you expect him to act in a different way, and so it, it, it does, like you kind of waltz the one who's looking at him, like, "What the hell's wrong with you?" You know. Um, and obviously, we're going to get some deeper stuff from Jesse in the next couple of episodes, which you know is, is going to show that he is actually impacted by his own actions. And I think that's probably the difference here is that he can like, he he can step away from something that somebody else has done that he doesn't have any control over and, and kind of dispassionately look at it. But he's struggling with actions that he's made that have caused people to die, you know, and um, and, and I think that's probably the difference for him. Um, I think just to kind of like step back um, just real quickly, I think kind of that scene where, you know, they're kind of struggling to get the body into that barrel and they're like, Mike, are you going to help us? And then you get that kind of like, yeah, again, just another fantastic Breaking Bad shot where you kind of just see from inside the barrel, you see them kind of throw the gun in the, and the box cutter gets thrown into the you know into the barrel before they pour the hydrofluoric acid and i think it's just um hydrochloric acid sorry and, and you know i think that's you know i think that's you know a, a really cool little shot another you know just a great camera angle which the show does so so well and then you know i just i love that the scene of them in denny's where they're both in their kenny rogers t-shirts and the same white pants like these guys are dressed the same and you know i think it's meant to be like mike went and got them these clothes like that it just cracks me up eh? it's just like yeah it's, it's a really funny little scene um but yeah and i do love like kind of when mike says them about the acid he's like are you sure this will work and jesse kind of says i'll oh, trust us it'll work yeah. you know it's just a nice little callback there too i think do you have you been to and i think i'm pretty sure there's a denny's in auckland isn't there have you been to yeah no, no i i haven't been no 
Um, I've been to Denny's in the US. I've not been to one outside the US, and it's it's pretty decent. Like, I mean, it's kind of stock standard chain breakfast, you know, affair. But um, you know, if you want to go to a breakfast restaurant and have that sort of stuff, Americans know how to do it. So um, it's it's some people hate Denny's, but to me, Denny's is just the Santa Claus. Um, you know, Denny's it's always open. I don't want to eat here. Of course you do. Everyone loves Denny's. It's an American institution. Yeah, I watch the Santa Claus too much, so sue me. Um, <laughs> anyway, Walt comes home, walks up to get his car, and uh, it's gone, and obviously Skylar comes out and sort of uh, tells him where it is, moved it because of uh, Walt Jr. I, do, I just love Skylar's reaction. Kenny Rogers? And then, like, peels off the <laughs> peels off the large thing, which I, I, I like that kind of touch that, you know, they've kind of uh, left it there. Um and then I, I love the ending of this episode. I kind of like this song that's playing when you've got this sort of, uh, I guess, CSI Albuquerque scene going on and uh, they kind of obviously switch focus to this Lab Notes book, which is going to become yeah. a pretty uh, key prop moving forward. But I, I don't know. I just, I just I like the way it kind of ends and I like sort of the way it intersects also with Walt sort of walking off from the house. Um, and then even like the sort of the, the crime scene photos you mentioned before about kind of the, the blood and that from Gail. There's, there's sort of one photo where you see the amount of blood on the carpet, which I don't think you really saw too much before. Maybe yeah. I wasn't paying attention, but... Um, oh, I, just, I just love the ending. I think it's a great so it's ending cool. as well. Yeah, I actually made the note of the song too, Truth by Alexander Ebert, right. okay. who, again, who, again, I've never heard of. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I loved it too. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a great song and kind of just kind of captures the mood and then you kind of get that stinger, which is like the lab notes, and it's like, yeah, this is going to be a thing, you know, and, and that's really exciting. Yes, it is. Sorry, I didn't know if you were adding more there to it. Um, I'm really just uh, expecting you to say more, Nick. I don't know what's going on in this episode. <laughs> um, some trivia from this one. It's in apparently the website that Hank is on. Uh, it's actually a uh, local file on his laptop. It's c colon slash users slash madprop slash desktop slash mineral emporium screen slash ebayhero.html. But apparently, if you go to mineral, mineralemporium.com, it takes you to the Breaking Bad website. Um, and you mentioned before about the color of the um, the box cutter. And apparently, it was chosen for by production because the green was easy to see on the red floor. Um, and if those playing at home who want to buy your very own box cutter that is used here in uh, Breaking Bad, the uh, model that you can buy is the RSG-383 Quick Blade Safety Grip by Pacific Hander Cutter Incorporated. So I'm sure their box cutters went off the roof after this episode. I like this nod here, the the um, the time in which uh, the when Scale's neighbour rings up, is you see the time on the clock is 10.13, which apparently is a, a deliberate reference to the number 10.13, which frequently appeared in the X-Files because mm. that was the birthday of the creator of the X-Files, Chris Carter. So uh, Vince yeah. Gilligan obviously using a bit of a nod there. Uh, as I mentioned, sort of the scene in the, the diner is a bit of a homage to Pulp Fiction. Um, and I like sort of the references here. They're saying to Kenny Rogers... Not explained, uh, but could be used uh, in relation to his most well-known song, The Gambler, which would be associated with Walt's gambling story or the risk Walt took in choosing to kill Gail. Roger's other well-known hits include She Believes in Me, Coward of the Country, Islands in the Stream, Islands in the Stream, don't sing, Ben, uh, We've Got Tonight and Lucille. 
also offer ironic interpretations for the episode. Roger's also saying, just dropped in with first edition, a song about coming off a drug-induced high using the film The Big Lebowski. Um, yes. I don't know if you're a big Kenny Rogers fan, Nick. Or, um, um, n- n- no, not really. Um, wh- one thing I think we've maybe neglected to talk about, though, um, which is, is a really important thing with this episode, is uh, I, I think the whole thing about why does Gus decide to kill Victor. Like I, To me, it's always seemed quite obvious, but I think this has been something that a lot of people talk about. Like, if this guy is able to cook meth, perfectly then why does he kill him it seems like a crazy thing to do and i think it probably goes back to that scene at the beginning of the episode where you know victor actually goes into the into gail's apartment and he's seen by the neighbors yeah. so he's actually you know he's actually you know somebody that's on the scene now and so actually gus has to deal with him because he that's a that's a loose end that gus can't have around so i think it's actually it's a twofold thing like it, it allows gus to use this as a bit of a you know interestingly enough you know he said earlier on in the series run that I don't find fear to be an effective motivator but he uses killing Victor as a, as a motivator for for um, Walt you know and, and but he also needs to get rid of him so it's kind of like a double a double whammy from Gus's perspective so but I do think that is a, a pretty common question there and a, you know something of a debate amongst Breaking Bad fans but to me it's always been pretty fairly obvious why it happens. Well it's also too like as you were mentioning before about and I didn't really mention it when Victor's saying that, like with any cook, you just follow a recipe. You know, you alluded to that before, kind of Walt's skills. Um, and then obviously we get that in the the flashback at the beginning that maybe it also comes down to, you know, Gus. Yeah, he's he's expendable because Gus doesn't believe that Victor's going to be capable of, of cooking this, right? <laughs> like, yeah, you know, which which is kind of interesting what we get moving forward with Jesse in this season. Um, so, uh, yeah, but anyway, no, I, I think, yeah, it's um, it's a good point. And Jeremiah Bitsui, as I mentioned, um, possibly on the show, who knows, but uh, Victor's best episode. Um, I mean, if you're going to be a random character in a TV show that maybe isn't the most memorable character overall who people still like, you want to go out in a, a bang, right? And uh, yeah. who, who's he remembered as? The guy who got his um, throat slit so graphically. So, you know. Go out in a bang, literally, or a gush. Uh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, buy, rent, or bin, Nick? Well, I think it's pretty clear that this is a buy. It's a, it's a, it's a good episode. Uh, it's a great episode, actually. Um, a really good way to get the 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 season started. And I think like, we we didn't really do like a, our kind of ranking of the 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 premieres but to me i think this is probably the best one um except apart from pilot maybe okay you know like like pilot's obviously a bit of an exception because it's the very first one but i think for you know two three four i think this is the best one um i've got it at seven um so i've got it sitting behind better call saw um and i've got it sitting above the bags in the river and i think they're actually quite similar episodes and that there's this kind of like shocking moment that the whole episode you know kind of revolves around but there's some really interesting stuff happening around it too which is really worth watching so i think that they're quite similar episodes in a lot of ways um i just happen to like this one a little bit more um anything that's got lots of gus in it i'm i'm going to enjoy um so yeah that's where i've got it at number seven it's a great episode to kind of get us started on this season i think I have also got. Well, I have also going to. That makes no sense. I am also <laughs> going to buy it. Uh, clearly, yes, I agree with everything you say. Uh, I think it's a, a yeah, best premiere episode so far by by far. Um, except for the pilot. 
Um, and yeah, like it's just, I think kind of it's, it's obviously known so well for one scene, which rightfully so, but I think everything else around it is great as well. I don't really think there's anything bad in this episode. Um, even sort of, as I said, the sort of the extended sort of scenes that some people might, oh, they're a bit boring, they're a bit drawn out. I think they, they work in this episode. I mean, God, the key scene in this episode is what a five minute scene of a guy basically just walking around, taking his clothes off, slitting someone's throat and then putting his clothes back on and saying one, you know, sentence. Um, you know, so that kind of sums it up. So yeah, I mean, it's great. I love the diner scene. I think it's great. I like the flashback scene at the beginning. I think it's great. Um, just everything is great. Um, I've got it at number nine. Uh, I've got it just ahead of half measures and just below peekaboo. Um, so that is my highest premiere outside of pilot. So, uh, there you go. And, uh, I think we've mentioned this a few times, but the ringer, dot com uh their rankings has it at number five overall out of 62 episodes so um yeah you said maybe not quite that high overall but uh you know still a couple of seasons worth of episodes to go but this is the end of theirs but anyway um next week 38 snub um i'm just gonna say it a bit of a crash down earth (laughs) it's sort of it's not this week's episode um it's not a terrible episode but um yeah, I think kind of a lot of highs this week and next week kind of it's it's decent. Uh, we get Jesse dancing to some interesting songs. Uh, was it like Mumba, Bumba, Bumba, Ray or something like that? Um, the Rumba comes into it. The Rumba, the Rumba, whatever the hell it is. Um, Walt's a bit paranoid and Walt gets into a bar fight, which is always fun, sort of. Um, and Skinny Pete and Badger are back, which is always good. And we get to see a woman's butt in a nice G-string, which is always good. Yes. Um, I thought you said um, 38 snug and you're referring to the population <laughs> number and snug. Um, wow, it's tripled but- <laughs> in population size. If that's the case, about a population boom. <laughs> wow. But, yeah, I think I think kind of like um, this is starting to feel like a bit of a pattern um, for me, I think, in that um, I, I think these Breaking Bad seasons get off to a wee bit of a slow start. I think that they probably um, – they probably make them quite top heavy in terms of setup. Um, and so I think like this is a very, uh, to me, it feels like season two, right? Of like you had this amazing first couple of episodes of season two. Um, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm specifically thinking of grilled, you know, in, in season two. And then it slowed down a bit before it picked back up again. And I think this is what's happening here. Like I think we're going to get a couple of slower episodes. Um, but like I've said before, even episodes that I don't absolutely love, I think I, I love being in this world. So um, I, I never find it particularly um, tough to watch. I think kind of like that's quite a Jesse heavy episode um and um you know like i'm i'm always going to enjoy the the walt episodes a bit more but i think it's really interesting to kind of not lose sight of the, the you know the impact of having to kill gail has had on jesse and so i like that we don't lose that i think it, I'm, I, I'm 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 happy that the producers of the show have, are taking the effort to show the impact it's having on jesse um so yeah it, it's definitely nowhere near the kind of excitement levels of this episode but that would be hard to do we've both put it in our top 10 you know like it's a great episode so i think anything was probably likely to be a bit of a come down and i guess it will just be a discussion of just how far down it it does actually go yeah no completely completely agree in the meantime if you like what we're doing here you might like what we're doing with our lost in 24 coverage you can check those out uh same time oznetwork.net social media you'll hear it all in the end of course and you'll also hear at the end too patreon 
if you have some extra money and don't want to spend it on food or anything, you can give it to us so we can buy food. Um, but <laughs> no pressure. Um, but we obviously appreciate any support out there and we appreciate you listening if you got it this far. Cheers, bro. Or chur, bro. I've used that in quite some time. I always freaked out the first time someone said that to me. I'm like, what the fuck are you saying to me? You want me to have a churro? I'm like, what? I'm like, I like churros, but no, chur, bro. Um, in the meantime, we'll ignore the New Zealand speak. My name is Ben, and a big howdy do to Mr. I'm Not Here. And my name's Nick, and well, get back to work. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff yes sir do you like having access to your favorite podcast hosts in a way like never before yeah absolutely do you wish you had access to our old survivor oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online oh yeah if you answered yes to one two or all of those questions then get excited because the oz network is now on patreon That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made.